you would grab a Bible and head to the middle of your Bible to Proverbs chapter 9. If you just grab a Bible in the seat back in front of you and you just really open it up to the very middle, you'll probably hit close to Proverbs chapter 9. Uh, we are starting a brand new series today entitled Wisdom in This World. And we're going to go through these themes in the book of Proverbs. We're going to talk about uh, some difficulties that we all have to navigate in our world that are ever-changing. Things like emotions, things like sex, things like money, things like words, and, and all these things. And how do we navigate them with, with wisdom? How do we navigate them in a way where we flourish, but also others flourish, where, where God gets the glory and, and we get his, his good in our lives. And so that's what we're stepping into. Uh, we gave you this study guide when you walked in. How many of you got this study guide? Can you hold it up? Let me know. Awesome, awesome. As always, we want you to dive in deeper during the week. Shane Hawkins, our discipleship pastor, put this together, did a phenomenal job. We can celebrate Shane, all the work he did on this. Would you guys do that? There are uh, meditations for your week in there. There's further reading for you to dive into. There's uh, community group questions or questions to go through with your family or your roommates. And there's a place for notes. So if you just take it and open it up with me, you'll see this very first page. You can take notes in this message today. Uh, and in fact, if you are doing that, here's your sermon title that you can write down in your notes section. It is this. It's the invitation of wisdom and the seduction of folly. The invitation of wisdom and the seduction of folly. Uh, most of the Proverbs, including Proverbs 9, are written by uh, King Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived. And, and oftentimes, including this time in Proverbs chapter 9, he will give us imagery to describe wisdom and folly. And that's what he does so vividly here. If you, if you uh, look at the text, and we're going to read it in just a moment, what you're going to see is two ladies two houses, two feasts. And what you see in the passage is these ladies are always calling out to you. They're always competing for you. And the imagery that you should picture as we read this in just a moment is you're standing in the middle of a road and there's a house of wisdom over here and there, there's a house of folly over here. There's a feast of, of wisdom over here. And there's a feast of folly over here. And you're meant to be in, this, in the middle of the street and you can't stay in the middle of the street. You gotta go into one house or the other and you can't go into both. And Proverbs is gonna show us continually there's these houses, there's these paths of wisdom and these paths of, of folly, these houses of folly. And if you go one way, there is life. But if you go another way, there is, is death. So Solomon is going to show us this imagery to get us to see the distinctions between the invitation of wisdom and the seduction of folly. Because I don't know if you know this, we live in a chaotic, confusing world where sometimes what seems like wisdom is actually folly. And what seems like foolishness is actually the cross of Christ. Amen? That's what the New Testament tells us. And so we want to all get clear in the midst of our confusing world of how do we have wisdom in this world? And we're going to see it through this imagery, through these distinctions of wisdom and folly. Look at Proverbs chapter 9. We'll read it together. 1 through 18, we'll see both of these pictures and then we'll break it down. Here's what it says in verse 1. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her beasts. She has mixed 
her wine, she has also set her table. She has sent out her young women to call from the highest places in the town. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, come eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse, and he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove, reprove a wise man and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man and he will still be wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. For by me, your days will be multiplied and years will be added to your life. If you're wise, you're wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. The woman folly, here's the second picture. The woman folly is loud. She is seductive and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat on the highest places of the town, calling to those who pass by, who are going straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks sense, she says, stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol, the invitation of wisdom and the seduction of folly. You may have noticed as we read that there are many similarities between these two houses of wisdom and folly. And so we have to look a little bit closer to see the distinctions. And Solomon's going to help us that with that. I'm going to help you with that. Here's our, our first distinction. It's this, that folly settles for fleeting pleasure while wisdom patiently pursues lasting purpose. Did you guess that? Folly settles for fleeting pleasure while wisdom patiently pursues lasting purpose. Where did I get that? Look at it closely with me. You see in the first couple of verses, wisdom builds a house. We see the detail. She builds seven pillars. And for the feast, it's a, it is a feast. She goes to all this work. She goes out and slaughters the beast. She prepares this robust, extravagant meal. There's, there's wine. There's a table set before them. And yet you contrast that with the house of folly, this dinner party at the house of folly. Verse 14, she sits. You don't see anything about her building a house. She doesn't even make her own meal. No, she offers stolen water and secret bread. See, here's what we learn about the difference between the house of wisdom and the house of folly. These two very different dinner parties that are taking place, although they seem a little bit similar. What we learn about this, about wisdom, is that there are no shortcuts. There are no shortcuts to wisdom, right? You can't steal it. You, it takes work. It takes patiently pursuing it. And we see this imagery all wrapped up in a meal. How many of you know there's a difference, a big difference between making homemade pizza at your house with quality ingredients and going to Little Caesars? Anybody testify with that with me? See, I, I was reminded of this the other day when my wife and I, we were in a bind of time. And, and we honestly, we just had this big dream for this day. And I, I don't know if parents can relate to this. I mean, it was just this really big, like, dream that we had of, like, putting our kids to bed on time. Anybody with me? And so we, in a weak moment, with this big dream, we said, maybe we should just go pick up pizza from Little Caesars. And, oh, do we loathe that day. 
To which we said, let us go to the house of little Caesars. Like, I mean, we just, I, and the, on the way there, it was so funny. I was trying to convince myself, like, maybe it's not that bad. You ever done that? Like, you went to Olive Garden, you're like, maybe, uh, maybe they've gotten better over the years. I just offended some of you. You're like, Olive Garden is my favorite, Tim. Okay, sorry about that. Our worship leader went to Olive Garden recently. It was his fault that I said that. Um, but yeah, I was trying to convince myself, like, maybe, maybe, it's, maybe it's better. Maybe they've grown in, their, in honing their craft of making pizza. And I can just report to you, no. No, they haven't. <laughs> it, was, it was not that good. You know why? Because, like, hot and ready, five minutes, five dollars, is just not going to be as good as the real thing that takes a long time, a lot of effort to patiently create. It's the same thing with wisdom and folly. But how many times are we in a weak moment? Maybe you literally are. You're bound by time. Your relationships are kind of difficult. Things at work are kind of heavy. And you think, well, I'll just, in my relationships, I'll just, I'll just go here. This little Caesars. I'll just get some stolen water and, and bread. And, you know, it'll give me a quick fix. And in the back of your mind, if you know Jesus, you know wisdom if you know Jesus. In the back of your mind, you're thinking, ah, but I, I don't think it's going to be that good. But then you start telling yourself, well, maybe they've gotten better at it. Maybe, who knows? Like, maybe, what does God know? I mean, it's the Bible. It was written a long time ago. Like, maybe I'll just venture off into this sex or into this conversation with the opposite sex of somebody who's not my spouse. Or maybe this business deal that, that seems a little too good to be true. And maybe I'll just step this way. And what Solomon's crying out to you is, don't go there. That shortcut, it seems too good to be true because it, it is. Did you notice at the end of the passage, hey, they don't know, but there's dead bodies in there. But no, it's, it's sweet. No, it's, it's death. And so we, we got to get clear on wisdom that, that if you're going to enter the house of wisdom, you got to know it's going to take time. She had to slaughter beasts. She had to send out her servants. She had to set the table. She had to prepare the wine, but it is worth it. Solomon's going to say, hey, you go there, your life is, is multiplied in years. That it's worth the time, that it's worth the work that you have to invest is a little bit harder. Yes, but it's, it's worth it. And so Solomon wants us to see this, this difference, this massive difference between the house of wisdom and the house of folly, that it takes time, that it takes work, but wisdom is always worth it. See, as we look at this concept of wisdom, this really word in, of wisdom in the book of Proverbs, it's this word in the original language called hokmah. And that word hokmah literally means skill. It's the, it's the art of, of skillful living. It's not just like, well, you're skillful in making wood or dancing or music or something like that. It's the art of skillful living. That it takes time to develop this, this muscle within us to live wisely. It takes work, right? It takes discipline to pursue that over and over. Here's the reality. We live in a world that was designed by God to work in a certain way. And yet that design has been distorted by sin. And so none of us are born wise. All of us have a bias 
toward folly. And so we have to learn wisdom and we have to grow in this this skill, this art, this this masterpiece called life in order to live it well. It's like a a group of friends of ours who actually go to this church who are ballet dancers. Um, Several years ago, I met these guys and they're actually uh, great friends of ours and I've gotten to see them perform in the ballet and they're members of our own Phoenix Bible Church. And if you've been to even just the Nutcracker at downtown Phoenix Symphony Hall, you've seen some of PBC members performing. They're some of the main uh, performers in this ballet, and they're very good at what they do. And I remember several years ago, I met them, and I, and I was just really honest with them right off the top. You know, I spoke the truth in love. That like, you know, I'm not a big fan of the ballet. In fact, I told them, I think I'd been to one ballet in my life, and it doubled as a nap. And they know this. They're not offended by this. I told them, okay, y'all settle down. Um, And I was just honest with them. But I I started to ask them. I'm an inquisitive guy. I started to ask them about their craft and their skill. And they started to to tell me about it and tell me how they they practiced every day and how it really wasn't just about some mechanical movements like a a releve. Anybody catch that? Okay. Um, Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. Actually, don't encourage me. Don't encourage me. Um, But it wasn't just like learning how to do a releve. It was like not just a movement. It was learning how to do a movement to music. And if you've ever been to the Phoenix Symphony Hall to a ballet, you know it's live symphony music. And they're learning how to to sync up these movements with this music, with these other dancers to all tell a story. And when I started to learn the behind the the scenes of all that, and then I went to the ballet, man, I was in awe. I didn't fall asleep. Like it was incredible to see all this come together. Like there's a way things are supposed to work all together to depict a story. And they were doing it all in sync with one another. And it was beautiful. See, that's what wisdom is. And, And how many of you know that takes time? I mean, those ballet dancers, this is all they do like from eight to five is they practice that. They put in the work for that. They talk about it when it doesn't go well and they make corrections. And this is the path. This is the house of wisdom. It's a feast that takes a long time to prepare. But you get to, how many of you know, like a feast of, of lamb and wine is much better than bread and water. And that's what Solomon is trying to paint the picture of. And here's how you spot the difference between the two. If you see something in your life, in your emotions, in your job, in your finances, that seems too good to be true, that seems like a shortcut, it probably is, and it's probably folly. And Solomon, I, God, wants to save you from the pain of folly and help you experience the life that comes with wisdom. Here's our our second distinction. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Folly says, I know, I know. While wisdom says, how can I know more? Look at verses seven through nine with me. Multiple times you see this scoffer. And what Solomon says is you can't rebuke a scoffer. You can't correct a scoffer. What what is a, a scoffer? A scoffer is somebody who mocks the truth who thinks they are the exception to the rule. It doesn't apply to them. And some of us, you're picturing people in your life right now. Some of them family members. Some of them, it's like your spouse. <laughs> like I always try to tell them, but he doesn't listen, right? 
And maybe that, that example and the point is like true to life for you. Maybe sometimes like there's just people in your life, you start talking, you start explaining something and immediately they say, oh, I know, I know, I know. You know, chapter one of Proverbs says, fools despise instruction. Fools say, I know, I know, I know. The wise says, hey, how can I learn more? You see it even in this text that, that the righteous are always increasing in their learning that the wise, you can actually rebuke them. You can actually teach the people who are already wise and not the scoffer, and they will grow in their, their wisdom. They'll, they'll listen to it. They'll receive it. How many of you know, and I'm going to sound like a 40-year-old old curmudgeon here, but how many of you know, like, people don't know how to listen anymore? Yeah, yeah okay, some old curmudgeons with me. Thank you. Like, we used to go to parties and like people would just, you'd walk around, you see people listening and now everybody's just like preparing to give their own shtick and preparing to give their own post that they made on Facebook at the party. And it's not fun and nobody's learning anything. And we're all just steeping deeper into our foolishness because the reality is the wise people kind of get out of there. And they're like, well, if you're not gonna listen to me, I'm not gonna just preach to the wall. And so we step out. And we all need to grow in our desire for wisdom, for learning. And to be honest, we just need to like real practically never answer somebody with, I know, I know, I know. But instead say, yeah, okay, that's a little bit different. <laughs> but how can I learn more? Okay, ballet, I mean, I took a nap. Um, but maybe there's more to it than that, you know? And ask, how can I learn more? Uh, our wisest people, the most successful people in our world, this is what they do. Uh, the great theologian of pop music, Justin Timberlake, yeah, uh, was asked in an interview how he became the master of pop. And he answered so wisely. He said, you know, how, here's how I became the master. It's that I'm always a beginner. I'm always a beginner always looking to learn. But I've seen this not just with the master of pop, but the master of preachers. Uh, there's a pastor in the valley who maybe some of you would know, maybe some of you don't. Like, I just really respect him. He's a friend of mine. He's a masterful communicator. And yet, he's always learning. He's always growing. He's always re reconnecting with how to preach from God's word and how to engage our culture in 2023 with this culture that's ever-changing. And how do we take the, the word of God and teach people to think biblically-minded in today's world? And I always just look at that, and I respect him so much. And, and that's what I want to do with my craft, because I'm like, man, he seems really wise, and he's just growing more and more in his wisdom. He's not capped out. He, he's not tapped the, this well uh, of wisdom yet. He's continuing to go back to it over and over and over. And wisdom, uh, Solomon rather, is going to say, hey, you know the one person who can't get wisdom? Like the simple can get it. The one who lacks sense can get it. In any area of life, there, there's something you don't know about in life, something you're a little bit naive about, you can actually get wisdom. The one person that can't get wisdom is the person who thinks or she thinks they don't need it. Right? You have to know you, you need it. And that's where wisdom begins to come into your life and continue to grow your life. And Solomon wants us to see that. And I think many of us, instead of craving wisdom, here's what we typically crave. 
a change in circumstance. Right? What Solomon is wanting us to do, really the whole book of Proverbs is like this. He'll give us different words for wisdom, like insight and prudence. And it's all these different ways to see the world and to see the way we should work well within this world that we live. To see the way we should walk in wisdom and go down this path. And it's meant to, to stir us up. There's Proverbs, there's 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. You can read one a day. It's meant to, to stir us up to pursue wisdom, to listen, to have humility and community around us, to pursue wisdom. And yet, if I were to ask you right now, and you were to be honest in church today, hey, what do you need most of right now in your life? And once we got past, like, the Sunday school answer of Jesus, <laughs> like, no, no, really, though, just be honest, what do you need most in your life right now? Some of you might talk about your finances and the economy, and we just got out of tax season. Anybody? And you're like, I had to pay in this year. Like, I need some, like, I, I need a boost, Tim. And some of you might talk about your, your marriage and some conflict that you're trying to sort out. And some of you may talk about, and you're just real honest, like, could I just get a new spouse? Because <laughs> this isn't working out too well. And, and some of you may talk about some difficulties with your house or your health. And typically, like, what you need most right now is a change of circumstance. Here's what Solomon, here's what God wants to give you instead. He wants to give you the ability to flourish regardless of your circumstances. See, circumstances will change. In 2023, we know that. Over the last few years of COVID, pandemic, we know that. Right? But how many times we just go back to that well of, instead of wisdom, it's like, I just need a change in my circumstances. And if we were to stop and think wisely about that, we would know that doesn't necessarily help you. Like, we think of people in our society who have amazing circumstances. They have all the wealth. They have all the prominence. They have all the influence. They have all the power. They have the house. They even have the health. And yet, there's depression, divorce, scandal. It's called TMZ, people. It's called Hollywood. It's called professors, who, who seem to have it, they're so smart, they're so book smart, and yet they're not street smart, and, and they commit ways of folly and sin. But they have all the right circumstances. You see, what, what Proverbs is giving us is something better. It's the ability to navigate any circumstance for the glory of God, and you're good. And if all the good circumstances come your way, listen, if the tax refund came in, or you had to pay in, if your house is kind of breaking down right now, or you have your dream home, if your job is like flourishing and you're thriving in it right now, and you just got the promotion and you just got the raise, or if you just got laid off with wisdom, you can navigate those circumstances as they come and as they go and do it all for God's glory, your flourishing and the flourishing of others. And let me just tell you, if we painted that picture, wouldn't we want to seek out wisdom? Wouldn't we? If that's available to us, and it is in the book of Proverbs, it is in God's word, wouldn't we want to crave that? Read the gospels, read about Jesus who encapsulates all of this. In him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom. Wouldn't you want to seek Jesus more than just on Easter? 
Wouldn't you want to grab a study guide and grab some friends and start digging in? How do we get this wisdom? If that's available to us through Jesus Christ, through his word, that we can see the world through a lens of his word, and that's available to all of us, wouldn't we want to seek it and pursue it and listen? And that's the invitation of wisdom. And we have to, we have to anchor in that so we don't give in to the seduction of folly. Here's the last thing. Here's this distinction. Folly is controlled by me and moments, while wisdom surrenders all control to God in eternity. Here's where we see this. In verse 10, look at that verse. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now, we got to address this briefly. There's different kinds of fear, right? Like there's a fear, like a fear of mice, and that's one kind of fear. Uh, one kind of fear we had recently at our house, like true story. Uh, my wife calls me, I'm on my way to work that morning and she's screaming. <laughs> and I think, well, what did I do? Uh, it's only been a short morning. Like I'd already screwed this up. And she says, Tim, no, no, no. I went to feed Lincoln our golden retriever and I went to dip the, the bowl in the dog food and up came crawling out of the bowl was this mouse. And she said, it was a little mouse, it wasn't a rat. And it was like drowning in the dog food. <laughs> like it couldn't get out. And she was like freaking out. And I'm like, do I need to come home? And she's like, no, 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 I'll just close them up in there. <laughs> and we'll deal with it later, right? But I mean, she was, there was some fear there, right? And just to be honest with you, later on, I went home and I tried to, I got the shovel. <laughs> and I knocked over our vault with the dog food. And that thing came running out. And I thought I was going to be the man of the day and just like, pounce on that mouse, but I threw that shovel down and ran away, okay? Can we be honest in church? Okay, I hope so. And Because there was some fear there, right? That's one kind of fear. Now, there's a different kind of fear. There's a fear of I'm 40 years old and I need to go for my annual checkup and I'm going to the doctor. That's scary too, amen? And yet, it's a different kind of fear, because ultimately, I, I'm fearful of that, but the doctor is coming to help me, to help me flourish in life. That's this kind of fear. It's a fear of a good God who sees this whole world, who sees all the, the way he designed it, the way sin has distorted it, and he sees from a 30,000-foot view that you cannot see. And it's an acknowledgement that he is God and you are not. It's an acknowledgement that, hey, I wanna, I'm not going to hold on to everything. Instead, I want to open up my hands and give everything to you because you know how the world works and you know how I should work within it. And that's wisdom. That's why the fear of the Lord is the beginning of, of wisdom. And so as you begin to see who God is and he gets bigger and your situation and your circumstances get smaller, as you fear him, you will stop being controlled by you and all the moments, the feelings that you find yourself in where you make the bad decision and you go to Little Caesars, where you make the bad decision, the foolish decision, and you end up in death, maybe not physical death, but you're dying a little bit inside in your marriage right now or at your work right now or with your money right now because you're making these foolish decisions, because you're, you're operating according to me and the moment, not God and eternity. 
And wisdom, the house of wisdom, the feast of wisdom says, step back and see that God is God and you are not, amen? And quit trying to hold on to everything and quit saying, I know, I know, and say, God, I need you, I need you. Somebody said this recently to me, and I thought it was so powerful. They said, there's two absolutely game-changing realities when it comes to wisdom, and it's these, to say, I am not Jesus, and I need Jesus now more than ever. That'll preach, amen? Here's how you get wise. Here's how you go in the, the house of wisdom. I'm not Jesus, but man, I, I need Jesus now more than ever. As a church, we have a group of elders who oversee the health of our body. And we were at an elder meeting just a few weeks ago. And we had a friend of ours, wise counsel for our church, Dan Lind, who came. And I just asked him to come and talk on the character of an elder. And so he took us through all these passages specifically about elders and qualifications and, and characteristics. And he took us to all these other passages that aren't even specific to elders about the fruit of the Spirit. And then he said, and we were a little slow. <laughs> he said, wait, what do you notice about all these things? And we're like, man, these, these characteristics and this and not quarrelsome and able to, to lead his, his house and gentle and um, sober-minded. We started noticing all these characteristics. He said, yeah, okay. So note, who, who do you think has, has done all those things? And then we got, okay, the Sunday school answer. Jesus, Dan, thank you. And they were like, okay, so, so okay, um, so what's the point of all these passages for the elder? It's, oh, I need Jesus because I can never fully be these things, but he already is these things. Did you know Jesus encompasses all the wisdom of Proverbs in his actual life perfectly? That's G Jesus is wisdom. Wisdom is more than a proverb. It's a person. His name is Jesus Christ. And the elders of the church, to the congregants of the church, to the parents, to the kids, we need Jesus. And in Jesus, we find wisdom for our lives. And if we were to cry out for Jesus, if we were to start our, our day with Jesus, Bible before phone, anybody, if we were to start our, our weeks and, and go about our weeks and schedule time and carve it out for God's word to, to let it saturate our mind and our hearts with his wisdom, to go to a community group and somebody's house and, and some of that uncomfortableness that I talked about, to step out in faith and ask questions and listen to the people of Jesus, we would become more wise. We would experience the life that God wants for us and we would be saved from some unnecessary pain of folly. Listen, our world needs a church like that, amen? Our world needs to see us needing Jesus if they're ever gonna cry out to Jesus for themselves. This is the opportunity. So here, here's what I'm inviting you to over the next six weeks. I want you to go on this journey with us. I want you to be here on Sundays. Watch online if you can't be. I want you to grab this study guide. Join a community group. Dive into it together. Grab your family over lunch today. Start, start talking through these questions. Dive into wisdom. Crave it more than you crave a change in circumstances. Crave a wisdom that will help you flourish no matter your circumstance. So let's do that together. Amen? God, thank you for today.
God, thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for these men and women who are not here by accident, but here by appointment. God, I pray that we would collectively hear your wisdom and we would start taking steps into the house of wisdom. And if we need to, God, we would repent of living, not just walking into, but some of us right now, we're just living in that house of folly with our emotions, with our vocation, with our decisions, with our relationships, with our money, with our sex. We're just living in that house of folly, of shortcuts, of stolen water and bread. And God, I just pray if that's us right now, watching online in the room, that we would repent of that. We would turn from that house of folly and we would know you're still inviting us by your grace through Jesus into that house of wisdom. And we would walk, we would run right now straight into that. God, we would know that you are good and everything in your word is for our good. And we would trust it and we would live by it and we would crave it with everything we have. We pray that in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen.